Hey there, and welcome to a new episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents. This is yet another week where my sweet husband is working. He's working hard, 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 and wasn't able to hop on the podcast with me today, but I am so happy to be here with you myself, and I'm your host, Jamie Otis. I am so happy because today I have a relationship expert who, her name is Jennifer Lair, and she's on, and honestly, I need her advice because last night, Doug and I had this big fight, and we don't really have like these huge blowout fights, but... We definitely had one last night. We're both filming Married at First Sight. We're both working full-time. Plus, I'm going to start picking up to film the new season of Married at First Sight Unfiltered. And so I'm just prepping for that. But also, like, I'm filming these clip shows. So we are just have a ton, a ton of work, which, I mean, I know I'm probably speaking to the choir right now. You're like, girl, me too. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Because it's just been crazy for all of us with the pandemic going on. And we're all trying to work, plus take care of our kids, whether it be homeschooling or whatever. So I know that, you know... Know, I'm not sitting here whining about my life <laughs> thinking that I'm the only one going through this. I know that we all are, which is why I'm really glad to have our guest on today because I know that, you know, we're probably not the only ones who have fights and who are struggling trying to manage everything that's going on right now in life. I mean, it's bonkers. I did not expect COVID-19 to last this long. And now here we are in the fall. And of course, flu season is coming. And So it's just one of those things where it's like, we're all just left kind of like, I don't know, wondering, is COVID-19 going to wreak havoc again this year? Or is it going to get better? Like, what the heck is going to happen? And we're all just sitting here like, what can we do to make sure that we're going the right direction? (laughs) So first things first, I'm like, I just want to make sure that I am loving and nurturing to my children and my husband and also to myself. But last night kind of opened my eyes because Doug doesn't ever, I don't know, like blow up at me. And he literally yelled at me last night. And obviously he's just stressed. He's overworked. And I mean, I get it. Like, aren't we all? I'll tell you what happened. And I talk about it with the therapist as well, because I want to make sure that I'm a nurturing wife. And, you know, like there's not a lot of times that he comes to me needing for something, but like he didn't say he needed something, but I feel like him yelling was essentially like, of course, in the moment, I wasn't thinking he needed anything. I was like, you think you're tired. I'm tired. I nurse a baby all night, you know, yaddy, daddy, da. And, but really like after I like had a moment to breathe, I was like, good God, my husband's telling me that he's exhausted. And I just like yell back at him like that doesn't seem okay. But before I get into all of that, I wanted to just quickly tell Natalie D91. She sent a five-star review in and she said, Jamie is such a sweet person. And girl, thank you for that because I needed to hear it because I didn't feel sweet at all last night. Like I just lost it with Doug. So I'll tell you what happened. And, um, Forgive me ahead of time for seeming like a snot, but um, we were both working. By the end of the day, you know, we had finally got Henley wouldn't eat dinner. So we got frustrated by that. I don't know if anyone else gets frustrated when their kids don't eat, but I'm like, girl, you got to eat because if you don't eat, you're not going to grow. You're not going to be healthy. And so I've learned a lot from this account, Big Little Feelings, about just children and how to try to help nurture them when their little brains are still developing. And actually, if you're interested in anything of that, we do have them on the podcast a few episodes back. You'll be able to see their interviews. There was actually two because they had such a wealth of information. 
So it started off with, we get her home from school. We are exhausted already because we both worked all day. And then I made her raviolis and strawberries because I had no energy to make anything else. And one of the weeks previously, we had Green Chef as an advertiser to sponsor Hot Marriage Co-Parents. I'm really excited to have these home meal kits because I do really make it so much easier to try to make dinner because I like... I don't know if anybody else is like this and maybe it's because I have a newborn still. So maybe that's why I feel like I'm constantly trying to fight to come above water and to just breathe. But even just making dinner feels like this big, huge, daunting task. I don't have time to like prep. I don't have time for any of this. So literally last night, I threw some water on the stove, cut up some strawberries and threw the bags of ravioli in the water and called it dinner and you know what? Everyone's still alive today. So there's that. But then after that, you know, we had to get Henley in a bathtub. I had to make sure that Hendrix got a bath and then get Henley to sleep. And now she's in this big girl bed. And so getting her to sleep is just a little bit different (laughs) because I can't confine her to the crib. Like when she was in a crib, she couldn't get out. And I thought that was amazing because of course I always knew she was safe and sound. She's in her crib. I know right where she is. Life is great. Now she's in a queen size bed because we needed to get a bed that was big enough. So when we Airbnb it out, maybe like an adult could sleep there or teenagers could sleep there. I didn't want to get a toddler bed for that room. So she's in a queen size bed and girlfriend seems to be loving it. not going to lie. I mean, it's been every single night I'm scared that A, she's going to fall off or B, she's going to feel lonely. But today, you know, I wake up and my daughter slept all night long in her bed and I'm like, hallelujah. But last night I was like, oh, I'm so worried. Like what if of all the things? And so we finally get her settled into bed. Then we have to shoot for married at first sight. And that was, you know, it just took a little bit more time than we anticipated. And so Doug came at me like saying basically that he's tired. And I talk about it a little bit more in the interview. So I don't want to bore you and tell you it twice, but essentially he came at me and then I went after him and we just didn't see eye to eye. And it kind of really like broke my heart because we need each other like now more than ever. We have a newborn, we have a three-year-old, we're living in Florida with absolutely no family nearby. Thank God I found a nanny. So I have hired a nanny to come over and help. Like right now I'm podcasting, Doug's working. And usually we would podcast while the kids are asleep and after work, but we're now shooting Married at First Sight as well. So there's literally no time to podcast then. And this is like my therapy sesh when I come here and chat with my girlfriends or my husband. Sometimes it's like the only time we talk when we're together on the podcast chatting with you guys. So I found a a nanny and she's here right now taking care of Hendrix. Henley's in school and I am going to have this moment to chat with you, have this expert on who's really good at marriage and family counseling. And I'm just going to seek all the advice I can get while I have it because I don't want us to become the family that doesn't have sex, doesn't communicate, doesn't see eye to eye, has big blowout fights. Like, I don't want that. Like, so far, we've done a pretty good job at trying to understand each other and whatnot. And and like I said, the reason that I'm even sharing this all on the podcast is because I'm sure we're not the only ones who go through these struggles. I mean, I don't know if you listening can relate, and I hope that you can, because otherwise I feel very vulnerable for sharing all of our struggles. But I hope that this is helpful for you in one way, shape, or form, just because, man... It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. And if anything, we need our home to be our safe haven in the place that we feel loved and nurtured and we can kind of refill our cup. And if you're someone who your home environment isn't 
one that you feel like you can take a breath of fresh air and relax and fill your cup, then girl, this episode is for you because Jen Lair is coming on and she is a therapist who has really helped families kind of like figure out the dynamic of why they're fighting and how they can try to help minimize that and understand each other. So without, you know, without further ado, I'm going to bring Jen on. She's literally like studied relationships and therapy and families, and she has extensive knowledge in the field. So let's bring her on. And I'm literally going to dive into my own relationship with Doug. I'm really like just trying to make sure that our relationship is strong. I mean, it's not a secret that we haven't had sex. I mean, we have had sex now, but we didn't have sex for nine months. We've really kind of, I wouldn't say separated, but we just got in the thick of things. Like we're still, you know, 100% together, but we've just gotten in the thick of life. And that can separate you if you're not careful. So bringing Jennifer on, I'm really just going to try to better myself. And hopefully by me being vulnerable and sharing this with each of you guys listening, it will help you also better yourself or feel inspired in one way or another. All right. So without further ado, here is Jennifer. All right, guys. So we have Jennifer Lair. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder of Reconcile, an online program for committed couples seeking help and educator on the process of living, self-acceptance, and stepping into your magic life as our guest today. Like many, many others, Jennifer grew up in a family with difficult family dynamics. She changed that by spending years working on her own issues, educating herself, as well as studying and training as a couples therapist and working with couples. Jennifer knew that if she could change her relationship ability from poor to excellent, anybody could, which is why she does what she does. We are so excited to have her on the podcast today. Welcome, Jen. Hi. It's so <laughs> it's great to be here. Yeah. It's so great to have you here. We're so happy to have you on today. Like so many marriages, ours is sometimes rocky and we would love to pick your brain. But first, I'd actually like to know a little bit more about your background and why you do what you do. Well, I grew up in a household. My father was an artist and he was very, uh, had a lot of rage. He's a very frustrated person. And he had a sense of humor. And then my mother, on the other hand, was very disconnected from her feelings and didn't have a sense of humor. Very uh, difficult with vulnerability or expressing emotion. So I really grew up in a difficult family environment with rage and lack of emotional support is what I would say. Aye, so, aye, aye. Yeah, that scarred me. And so I went out into the world not knowing how to have relationships and I had a, quite a few very difficult ones where you'd fall in love and it'd be, you know, great for a while until the conflicts came up and then nobody had the tools and the relationship would end. So that was my earlier history. Um, Got me into a 12-step program because I had a boyfriend who was alcoholic addict, which I learned a lot there and ended up, you know, doing a lot of therapy and then ended up becoming a therapist and also doing a lot of couples counselor, both as a client and as a therapist did a lot, a lot of training, a lot of workshops, and just basically healed, you know, what my lack was. And now it's a place where I have a lot of ability. Gotcha. Wow. You have quite the history there. And I feel like there's probably a few listeners who can absolutely relate to just the family dynamics being just difficult. And also then going out into the world and not knowing how to maintain healthy relationships. I mean, I don't have the same exact history as you, but that's exactly like my history in the sense that like I, when I tried dating, I really didn't even know how, like I didn't know how to maintain a healthy relationship because I was never exposed to one as a child. And I never learned 
how to communicate my needs or to listen to when someone else is communicating their needs. It was always almost like I was always just trying to protect myself in every way, shape or form. And so that inevitably doesn't help grow any sort of healthy relationship because you're just very self, uh, not like you're, I wasn't trying to be selfish, but you're very self aware because they're just trying to protect yourself all the time. I guess I don't even really know where to start with this conversation because obviously Doug and I were married at first sight, which is entirely different than anybody really, other than a few other people who've been married at first sight. But we have been married for six years and we just had another baby. We have two babies. Our second child is four months old. Um, Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I would love to get your advice for couples who have kids and who are growing families. I mean, how do you handle the shifting dynamics there? Well, <laughs> meaning you have a lot more to do than you did have to do. <laughs> right. You do. Yeah. Uh, I think it takes a lot of communication and sometimes re-education of, you know, one of the parties if someone thinks that their life shouldn't change because obviously having a kid changes everybody's life in many ways and your responsibilities go through the roof. So you really want to be able to communicate about, you know, how you feel, you know, when you don't help me, I feel abandoned and it's not helping our relationship for me to feel abandoned when we're supposed to be a team. You know, you have to get down into ground rules, agreeing, like, how are we going to teamwork this raising a child thing? Because different couples do it differently. Yeah. And Right on that note, actually, just last night, Doug said, so we're filming two TV shows right now on top of, of course, having a four-month-old and a three-year-old and living under a pandemic, which everybody has a ton going on right now. So I feel like this could potentially be relatable, but... Last night, you know, Doug worked all day, his regular job, and then we had to film for Married at First Sight. And, you know, by the end of the night, he was like, I am beat, Jamie. Like, after we're done with this, I'm not doing anything else. I'm not doing one more thing. I'm beat. And instead of me hearing him, and in hindsight, now I can say this, but in the midst of it, I was like, oh, you're beat? Because I'm up all night with our son nursing him. And he's like, uh-huh. you know, like I kind of got really defensive because I'm like, you think you're be like, I'm working all day too, plus filming this show, plus nursing our kid at night. So don't tell me that you're tired. And, you know, and of course, then we just got into a big fight because, you know, neither one of us were really listening to the other. But immediately after that, thank God we had something to distract us. We had to film for the show. So that just took us away from the fight. And so then after we got done filming, I was like, I'm so sorry because... You know, he came to me telling me that he's really exhausted. And mind you, my husband, he's so patient and like he has so much energy, I feel like all the time. He usually doesn't, you know, say he's so tired. And he, I don't know, in hindsight, I'm like, I could just cry thinking about it because he opened up to me telling me he's so exhausted. And instead of me being like nurturing and loving, I'm like, oh, you're tired. I'm more tired. And so (laughs) I wonder if you have any advice on how to navigate that situation, especially like when you're in the midst of it and like, how do you nurture your spouse's feelings and also yeah. let your own needs be known if you know what I'm right. trying to say? Well, yeah, this is really good because sometimes both people are completely depleted and, you know, sometimes you can sort of suck it up and say, okay, I got you on this one. Cause I have a little bit of energy left here. I'll take over. You can, you know, but sometimes, and this again, you have to talk about before you get into it, which is what do we do when we're both completely at, you know, negative 10 energy 
And, you know, what do we do if you come home and say, I'm completely exhausted, but I'm also completely exhausted, you know, and have a conversation about it before you get there. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. I mean, in the case of last night, it sounded like you were a little bit more reserved than him. And so you found your higher self and said, okay, I mean, after the argument, you found your higher self and said, okay, I can hold the fort down maybe a little bit, or I wish I had a little bit more because he was, you know, probably more tired than me or got more vulnerable than me. But this stuff has to be talked about. It's like you're both running on empty and one of you can't just be the nurturer where the other one gets nurtured unless you agree to take turns. Can it be my night tonight, honey, that I'm down and you do the extra load? You know, can we alternate or how do we do this so that we both feel like we're nurtured, we're nurturing each other, we're nurturing ourselves, and we're both not fighting about the fact that we're so exhausted and nobody wants to pick up any extra slack. That is such good advice. I'm literally going to, like when we're done with this conversation, I'm going to tell Doug that we should really have a conversation (laughs) about this before we get in that situation again, because you know, neither one of us want to be there. I mean, you never want to be there, but then it just happens. And then when you're in the heat of it, you get so full of emotion and like that right. feeling in your chest and then you just like go crazy. <laughs> and, and well, like, that's, you know, we go into survival mode and we also go into our attachment feelings and needs, which is I need to know I'm important to you. I need to know you care about how I feel. And if someone comes home and crashes, when you're as exhausted as they are, it doesn't feel like they care about your feelings. And so it's got to get down to, you know, both of us need to feel like the other person cares about how exhausted we each are and cares about our feelings. And so how do we work through this? I feel like this is so relatable for like so many people on multiple different levels, like whether it be a mother and a child or a intimate relationship, because I feel like even with kids who are going to school or not going to school and being homeschooled, and a mother or a father who is trying to work, or if you're a stay-at-home parent and you're trying to homeschool, plus, I mean, regardless of the situation, nowadays with the pandemic that's going on, everybody's plates are a little bit more overloaded, it seems like. So that is actually like really good advice. But to take it one step further, how do you handle that with your own child? Because to be honest, even with Henley, our daughter, who is three, and now she is in school, which has been such a blessing. I mean, such a blessing. I found the school that they're taking, I mean, every single precaution for COVID. I mean, they're all wearing masks. There's plexiglass in between the students where they're learning. They keep the kids six feet apart, you know, as often as they can. They have hand washing stations everywhere. Like I couldn't ask for a better school. So I feel comfortable sending her there. And that has helped significantly just with the structure and the routine. But inevitably, there are days that she comes home and she's so tired. And then, you know, mommy and daddy are so tired too. And of course, she's three. So she, so of course, we want to nurture her the best way that we know how. But like, maybe she'll just like throw a tantrum and not want to eat and not want to do anything. How do you manage that? Okay, before we get to that, I would like to randomly pop into this interview, and I apologize I'm not here for this, but I do want to mention a couple of the show's sponsors, and one of the coolest things that we ever got for our kitchen, which we can actually even take on the go, is Blendjet. It's a super lightweight, packs the same power as your average blender, but you can take it on the go. You can actually use it for two weeks before having to plug it in as a USB charger, and I used to spend $5 
every time I would work out on a protein shake. You could bring this with you in the car. It's the same size as your average water bottle, and you could mix a protein shake or even get the BlendJet 2, which quietly crushes ice, frozen fruits. You're always 20 seconds away from a healthy meal instead of going out to either buy fast food or go through the drive-thru. And if you don't believe me, they are the number one blender brand on Instagram with over 17,000 five-star reviews and over 1 million happy customers worldwide. And for listening, you can go to blendjet.com slash HMCP right now to save an extra 12% off your order. That's save an extra 12% at blendjet.com slash HMCP, blendjet.com slash HMCP. And aside from eating healthy, one of the most powerful ways to improve your overall health and happiness is to get a good night's sleep. Any parent will tell you that they wish that they could sleep more. And you know, the crazy part is, is that when both kids go to sleep at night, you would think that we should probably go to bed. But my guilty pleasure is playing video games. That's how I wind myself down. Jamie now plays some wordscape thing on her phone or scrolls through social media, which just keeps us up. Now, she did download the Calm app. And this app is actually amazing. And because she plays it out loud, I got kind of secondhand effects of it. But the Calm app has a whole entire library of programs designed for healthy sleep. They have soundscapes, guided meditations, which Jamie plays all the time. And they have sleep stories narrated by soothing voices from Stephen Fry, Kelly Rowland, Laura Dern. Over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get a better sleep. And if you go to calm.com, slash hot marriage, you'll get, and this is a very limited time offer, 40% off a premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. So get the Calm app, experience a transformation in the way you sleep, your anxiety levels going down. Again, that's 40% off a Calm premium subscription at com, C-A-L-M dot com slash hot marriage, Calm dot com slash hot marriage 40% off unlimited access to com's entire library and brand new content is added every week com.com slash hot marriage Douglas gave me my mic back <laughs> you hijacked my own podcast episode all right so I was explaining to you guys on Instagram that I tried out this new phone that's been like all the rave it's called OnePlus, and I was actually kind of shocked by the results I got it because I was so sick of my phone dying and having to charge it multiple times a day I don't know if anybody else has this problem but I literally have to bring the cord the charging cord everywhere I go because my phone will die multiple times a day so anyways I needed a new work phone so I got OnePlus, and it genuinely charged in 15 minutes like if you want to see the the video, you can see it on my Instagram, but like it went from 50 to almost a hundred percent in 15 minutes. It was shocking. Plus it goes days without having to recharge, which is obviously so great because <laughs> I'm a busy mama. But yeah, if you want to check out this phone, go to oneplus.com and you can see, I mean, it has amazing features like a shatterproof front. It has, you know, a quick charge, great video, great pictures, but honestly for me, it holds its charge and that's like the seller for me. So if you want, yeah, go ahead to oneplus.com. Okay, back to Jennifer. Well, um, this is interesting because part of parenting is sacrifice. 
lives, unfortunately, you know. But another part of growing up is learning about limitations. So both those pieces are true. On one hand, you know, you are going to sometimes have to do more than you wish you could or more than you have the energy for. And another time, she's going to have to accept that her parents are tired and there's limitations and that you're sorry, but you can't give to her right then and there. You know, you have to play that moment by moment. And some people are better at it than others. You know, it just depends on the situation and what's going on and the child's temperament and all kinds of things. Yeah, I feel like parents, I mean, every second is a a sacrifice, but also like such a gift because like absolutely nothing is more rewarding. It's kind of usually at the end of the night when they're sleeping and you look at them and they're sleeping and you're like, oh, like the love you have in your heart for this child. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. I mean... There's no amount of money in the world that could replace that. Like the love and the feeling of being so proud of your child and just, yes. But the interesting thing that you mentioned was teaching your child that there are limitations and that mommy and daddy were also very, very tired. And, you know, like I don't get to throw my feet and stomp around and, you know, refuse food. That's not the way that we live and that's not polite behavior. And so for what I did last night, because I mean, everything I'm talking to you about is like real life experience. But last night, you know, Doug and I were both like so tired and we had so much work to get done. And we're trying to have dinner as a family. I always say to Gracie, you know, let's have dinner as a family. That's something I never had growing up. You know, we never Uh ate dinner as a family. And I just think it's, I mean, people probably don't nowadays. I don't know if that's normal or not, but I have always wanted that. And so I just want to incorporate that into our family. And so I always say to Gracie, all right, it's time for dinner as a family. (laughs) And she's so cute. She'll say, are we having dinner as a family? I'm like, yes, we're having dinner as a family, honey. So last night I said, let's have dinner as a family. I literally only made ravioli and I cut up strawberries. That was our dinner last night because I was just so (laughs) tired. And so, you know, I'm trying to get her to settle down to eat dinner and she did not want to. And I was just like, I didn't make her eat because I've heard that it's very bad to like force food on kids, on toddlers. Apparently it gives them a bad association with food. And I also had a bit of a struggle with that myself, but that's a whole different conversation for a whole different day. But I just asked her to just sit there until mommy was done eating. I said, fine, if you don't want to eat, that's fine. But we're going to have dinner as a family. And you're just going to sit here until we're done eating dinner as a family. And then when mommy's all done, then you can get down and play. And it actually worked. But my question to you is, is that the right thing to do? Like whenever I'm doing something, I'm like, I wish I had an expert here to tell me, yes, this is the right (laughs) thing. Or no, maybe you should tweak it a little bit because I also don't want to scar my child. (laughs) Right, right. Well, it sounded great to me. I mean, because dinner with the family, you held that. And that's what it was, whether she ate or not. So you held the boundary and you also let her make a choice, which she didn't want to eat. And so it's often about boundaries and choices, pairing them up together. You could do this or you could do that or holding a boundary. We're going to do dinner as a family. So it sounds like you did the right thing. The only thing that people can add in that I think they miss sometimes is um, just asking the child how they feel. Tell me how you're feeling. What's it like for you? That's it. But you don't do that if you don't have the energy. But if you have the energy, it's always good to ask the child, you know, there's this great book called Dibs in Search of Self. I don't remember if it's D-I-B-B-S or D-I-B-S by Virginia Axel. Anyway, Dibs in Search of Self is a story a therapist wrote about a child she worked with who was not doing well. And all she did was the child would come to her office and she'd follow the child around and get the child to talk about what he was experiencing in the moment. And that is what she couldn't change the parents, but she helped the child feel as if his experiences were seen and valued and it changed the child. 
Yeah, it really teaches you how important it is to reflect, oh, you don't want to sit here right now and you don't want to eat, but we are going to sit and eat as a family and then you can go play. Just to reflect their experience is really um, good for them. That is actually really interesting. And I kind of want to talk to you more about that because it's a good point. Like that's exactly what I was searching for last night. It's like, I mean, this is inevitable. This happens all the time with toddlers and parents. But I want to know how to handle it in a way that's not going to scar my child, but, you know, that will help her grow and learn and we'll both grow and learn together. And and that's something I didn't do. I didn't say, how are you feeling in this moment? So do you have any tips on how to go about that conversation? Like maybe I could have said, tell me why you don't want to eat. I mean, I knew why she didn't want to eat. She wanted to get down and go play with her baby doll. But um, um, you could just reflect. I know you want to go play with your baby doll and you'll get to do that afterwards. And we're going to just wait and do the dinner together as a family. And then you'll get to go play with your baby. So if you know what it is, you can just reflect it. And then she'll feel like you understand her. And it isn't just some arbitrary. It's just people have an enormous need to be seen and understood. I mean, that's how we develop and grow. And as far as being a good, you know, the term good enough parent, I'm sure you do. You just have to be good enough. I mean, there's a lot of room for error in parenting. You know, if you have a heart and empathy and you're able to be vulnerable and you're able also to hold boundaries and you're able to listen to your child, that's good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. There's room, you know, just like with your marriage, you get to fight sometimes. It doesn't destroy the marriage. Yeah, that's such a good point. Oh, speaking of marriage, let's like pivot there real fast because I saw on your website something about a relationship roadmap and how this can be a really helpful tool in any relationship. Can you tell us a little bit more about this uh, relationship roadmap? Yeah, that's on my blog somewhere. I'm not sure where I have that particular article. So we all come into relationships, you know, with skills that we learned via osmosis growing up. No one's teaching us how to have relationships in school. We aren't doing courses. So we come in with our way of being hardwired into us. We've learned how to relate via what's happened to us. So, for example, let's suppose you had a parent that always was yelling at you or putting your feelings down. You'll get rid of your feelings. If you had a parent that couldn't acknowledge your feelings or put them down, you're going to be someone who's just probably got rid of their feelings. Not necessarily that that's one strategy because we develop strategies to keep our caregivers close or feel safe. And the strategy that develops is based on our relationship with our caregiver and it's hardwired into us as we grow physiologically. So knowing that when we get to a relationship roadmap, what I sort of suggest is that first people, you know, do some basic education on what's normal. You know, what's normal in a relationship? And also to sort of start looking at where are we strong? Where are we weak? Who's good at feelings? Who's good at expressing? Who's good at vulnerability? Who's good at other things? So you first want to sort of have an understanding of who the two of you are. And then you want to move to what is your cycle? Now, a cycle is what happens over and over. So let's suppose... The husband comes home. He says, I'm tired. I want you to do everything. And the wife, I'm just using you, so I'm going to change your example. And the wife says, wait, I'm exhausted. And this sucks and starts screaming. And then the husband says, well, screw that. And goes into the bedroom and slams the door. So let's suppose you have that kind of. (laughs) Basically us last night. (laughs) (laughs) So you have that kind of damage where the wife is more of the pursuer and the husband's more of the withdrawer. Well, you have to recognize that's a dynamic. And what you do is you say, okay, that dynamic is the enemy. 
we're not the enemy to each other. It's this pattern we fall into. So you can sort of externalize the dynamic as not you or your husband. It's this thing that happens to the two of you that gives you a cognitive edge on what's going on. Because when you're upset, the emotional brain hijacks the cognitive brain and this shit just happens. Sorry about that. So then we go to the next step would be getting to so recognize what your cycle is. You've sort of done a review on what relationships are and where you're strong and weak. Then the next step is understanding attachment, vulnerabilities, and needs. And that means under every single conflict, there is almost always an attachment issue, meaning an attachment is I need to feel cared by you. I need to know I'm important to you. I need to know I'm enough for you. I need to know you won't abandon me. All those are attachment needs. Attachment fears are the opposite. I think you're going to abandon me. I'm afraid that you don't care about me. I'm afraid I'm not important to you. I'm a f- blah, blah, blah. So yeah, this is really, to, you're right on it. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, so you've got to identify, you know, so last night you were feeling, wait, what about me? Isn't what I need important too? That's what got triggered for you probably, yep. something in that vein. And that's what the conversation is about. It isn't about I'm exhausted too, although that's part of it. It's really about you know, I'm feeling like what I need is just getting thrown under the bus because you need something. And how do we find a way to get both of our needs met in this moment? So it's getting down. Let's suppose someone's arguing about which relative's house they're going to for the holidays. Well, it's not about that. It's about don't you care about what I want? No, don't you care about what I want? And so it's getting down into these deep, deep feelings that really have to be looked at and, you know, how do we honor each other's feelings and needs to be safe and honored. And and so those are the first three steps. There's more. For instance, if someone has a deficit, let's suppose someone isn't good at their feelings. They, they just, they live in a business world. They've gotten rid of their feelings. That person needs to learn how to contact their feelings or they're not going to be able to say, you know, I'm feeling really vulnerable. I'm really sad, blah, blah, blah. So you're getting, you know, deeper down into the skills, the actual skills needed to navigate through the territory of a relationship because that, you know, the in love thing only takes you as far as the chemistry lasts and then you've got to, you know, develop actual skill. I feel like this is exactly why people who wear like their relationship starts with like this huge flame and then it just fiddles down to nothing. I feel like maybe it's because, I mean, the flame, the chemistry, it's like all consuming and that lasts, like you said, until it's gone. It ends up burning out. And then and then it's like, what then? Like, are you able to communicate your needs? And I feel like the reason that Doug and I worked out, and I don't know how familiar, are, familiar you are with our relationship, but we never had that huge flame. We had a little bit of a spark, of course, but we never had a huge yeah. flame. But we really, truly like built a foundation of like friendship first and like really like respect. And and it wasn't necessarily platonic. I don't know that you can come back from platonic, but it was like testing the waters kind of thing. Cause I was kind of like scarred from my childhood and from previous relationships. And so interesting that you say that it totally makes sense. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about Reconcile, your online program and where people can find it if they're interested in learning more about you and hearing from you more. Sure. So um, W-E-C-O-N-C-I-L-E dot com. And um, I want to first mention there's a free quiz. So if you go to WeConcile.com slash Q-U-I-Z quiz, there's a free quiz that will give you some feedback on where your relationship is at right now, what's strong, what's weak. But I spent a lot of training, a lot of years of learning to be able to write this program. And it's long. And so what we've learned as we've been launching it 
it's an online educational system to help couples reconnect, is that we need to turn it into an app. So it's still available as a long form piece, but we are in the process of figuring out how to turn it into an app because of the busyness of people and the attention span of people is much shorter. So it's in the process of becoming transformed right now, but it is an enormous resource of material. The blog alone, if you go to the blog, I think you must have looked at it, blog.weconsult.com, has a ton of articles I've written about relationships on a bunch of different subjects so that, you know, you can start thinking about, you know, learning and thinking about, you know, where the issues are and how to work on what's going on for your relationship. So, yeah, and I used a lot of, you know, changing names and situations, but stuff from my clinical work in it and used a lot from my personal life, used a lot from training, used a lot from the steps and stages of emotionally focused therapy for couples, which is statistically the most successful form of couples therapy. So it's been a mission to get it out in the world. So that's what's going on with that. That's amazing. (laughs) I think that everyone can benefit from having a therapist advice at their fingertips. And I feel like that's what you've done by creating like we concile, like Jen said, it's W E. So it's we concile, not reconcile, but kind of the same. If you get it, (laughs) I like your play on words there, but just so everyone listening can, you know, so they don't go to reconcile it's weconcile.com. There's a whole forum of different articles that you could kind of filter through and get some advice with But yeah, Jen, thank you so much for creating that, for coming on the podcast and chatting with us. I really, really appreciate it. And for anybody who's trying to get a hold of you, do you have like an Instagram or an email if someone maybe wants to reach out to you? Yes. So Instagram is at WeConcile. Facebook is at WeConcile. If you go to the website, there's the links to all the social media there. And there's a contact form. If you need to, you know, I think it's info at WeConcile.com or Jennifer at WeConcile.com. Both should work. Yeah, that's um, how you get a hold of me. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you again. I feel like what you're doing is helping so many families and couples just navigate life, really. And and honestly, kind of like learn about themselves so that that they can help have a healthy relationship with whoever it is that they're trying to have a healthy relationship with. I feel like you've offered so much great advice and wisdom and guidance. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And thank you. And thank you for helping me with my own issues. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Yeah, it was great talking to you. That was an amazing conversation. And I love that I happen to have her scheduled for an interview today because I just, Doug and I don't always have blowouts. We actually really, to be very honest, we really don't fight. Not like the way we did last night is what I mean. Like everyone fights, like let's be honest. But like usually when we have a disagreement or an argument, we don't really raise our voices. I asked for someone, I'm not even kidding you. When I signed up for Merit at First Sight and I said a deal breaker for me, I wasn't joking. I said the deal breaker is if they don't like love my family just the way that they are, but also if they scream and yell or if they treat a wait staff or a taxi driver or like anybody with like any sort of disrespect, like those are really big deal breakers for me. Like, I just feel like if you don't treat like the taxi cab driver or the waitress who's serving your food or, you know, the bank teller, if you don't treat them with respect, then you're not going to treat me with respect behind closed doors. Like I really believe that in my whole heart. Like I feel like if you don't treat others with respect, regardless of what they're, how they're helping you or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, if you don't treat them with respect, then I just wonder who you are as a person. Like, you need to, you know, say please and thank you and be respectful to everybody in your life, not just those who you think should be serving you for some reason, you know? But the other thing was, is like, if you yell, like my mom 
is a yeller. And so was my stepdad and every relationship she was in, like just yelling and screaming was always happening in my childhood. Like, and that's because, like I said, I always want to like kind of give my mom the benefit of the doubt. She had five kids. She was beat to the snot. Like, I mean, she was beat so bad all the time. So she probably didn't know any other coping mechanism. She probably didn't know any other way, but inevitably like it scarred me. And I'm like, I cannot be with somebody who screams and yells. Like I just, I started out that way. Like I started out in my relationships where I would scream and yell, but then I had one relationship. And if you read my book, Wifey 101, then you probably are familiar with this, but I had one relationship that was very, very healthy. And the man would not yell at me. Like I would scream and yell at him and he wouldn't yell at me. And eventually I was like, why? And he was like, there's just no need for it. And it just like opened my eyes. And I was like, Oh my God, like you can be in a relationship and not yell. That's amazing. Like I didn't even know that existed. And so I asked the experts to find someone for me who wouldn't be screaming and yelling at me all the time. And so long story short, that's Doug. And he literally, I mean, I couldn't be luckier. Like just you guys know how great he is and he's not here right now because he had to work. But yeah, I feel very, very fortunate. Um, Don't know how I got off on this tangent, but essentially what I was trying to say is that we do struggle. And sometimes I'm like, how do we help ourselves? And so I'm really thankful that we had her on so that we can get that like real time advice. That's awesome. And also we have an amazing, amazing guest next week. So get ready for that. It is such a good one. Talk to you guys later. As always, you can find us over at Hot Marriage Cool Parents on Instagram. You can find me at Jamie N. Otis on Instagram and Douglas, my hubby at Doug Hayner. And yeah, we're so excited for next week too. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We love you. Wash your hands, wear your mask, say please and thank you to your wait staff. It's really important. (laughs) All right. Bye guys.